Chapter 31, 1 Samuel. It's the last chapter of what we call Shmuel Aleph. And I've mentioned several times that that division doesn't truly reflect the nature of the book. It's one book. But Shmuel Aleph ends with the death of Saul. The book now goes back to Saul. We've started with Saul. Then we move. We started with David, actually. Then we moved to Saul, chapter 28, 29 and 30, back to David. And now in chapter 31, back to Saul. The book actually has these, interweaves the stories. You know, it's interesting that I remember when I was in school, they teach you how to write an essay. You have an introduction, you have the main thing, you have a conclusion. It's all set out. This is the way you have you write a, a story. Now, the author of Samuel never took that class. The author of Samuel plays in all kinds of interesting ways with the order of events, weaving stories together, interweaving stories together. And here we move back and forth between David and Saul. At the same time, we're seeing pictures of David, David amongst the Philistines. And now we go back to Saul in chapter 31. Now, we the reader know because we've already read chapter 28, we know that Saul is going to die in the battle against the Philistines. We know that. And when Saul hears that news in chapter 28, he's terrified. And the description of Saul in chapter 30, uh, in chapter uh, 28, Shaul Saul falls to the ground. And uh, the idea of falling to the ground, which we encounter in chapter uh, 28, we have once again, as a very critical word, in the last chapter of this book. So the last chapter begins, Plishtim nilchamim b'Yisrael, v'yanusu anshei Yisrael b'mei plishtim, v'yiplu chalolim b'har ha'gilboa, so Israel, many fell on Mount Gilboa. Many were killed on Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines pursued Saul and his sons, and they killed Jonathan, Avinadav, and Malkishua, Saul's three sons. And the battle continued. The Philistines had archers, and Saul was terrified of the archers. Saul asked his arms bearer to kill him. Why? He's afraid that the uncircumcised ones, which is often the term used for the Philistines, will come and they will stab me and they'll mock me, they'll mutilate me. But the arms bearer refuses to do it. He doesn't want to do it. He's afraid to do it. So Saul falls on his sword. And once again, we have the word to fall. And when the arms bearer sees that Saul has died, his arms bearer dies together with Saul. There's a sense in this chapter and beyond the chapter, there is a 
real sense of loyalty to Saul. We'll come back to this later in the chapter. But the idea of falling now. We've encountered the word falling several times. So Saul and his three sons all died, and his men, they died together. And when the people see this, they abandon their cities and the Philistines come in. The chapter ends that the next day, the Philistines come to strip the corpses. Again, no flim. They find Saul and his three sons having fallen in Mount Gilboa. So they take the body, they cut off the head of Saul, they take off his armor, they send it throughout the cities of the Philistines. To spread the news to the temples, to the idols, and to the people. Similar to what we saw with the ark, with the Ark is circulated from one Philistine city to the other, where they mock the Ark. And they take the body of Saul, and they hang the body on the walls of Beit Shan. And now at the end of the chapter, The people of Yavesh Gilad hear what the Philistines have done to Saul. And they walk all night, and they take the bodies of Saul and of his children from the walls of Beit Shan. They come to Yavesh and they burn the bodies. The bodies apparently have been mutilated, they burn the bodies. They took the bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree in Yavesh, and they fasted for seven days. So here there are two points that I'd like to make about this last chapter of 1 Samuel. The death of Saul, the behavior of the Philistines towards Saul and his children, and then the chapter ends by the people of Yavesh Gilad all night coming recovering the bodies of Saul and his children and burying the bones and fasting for seven days. Yavesh Gilad, of course, is the town that at the end of the previous book they did not participate in the war of Benjamin against the other tribes, the civil war, and all the tribes took an oath not to permit their daughters to marry the Benjaminites. Yavesh Gilad was the one town on the other side of the Jordan, which did not participate. So Yavesh Gilad are essentially allies of Benjamin. And in this book, in chapter 11, Nachasha Amoni, after Saul was anointed king, he threatens the people of Yavesh Gilad. And as we had studied, that was an attempt to undo the kingship of Saul from the very beginning. He assumes that the people of Israel will not march en masse to save a town that previously was considered a bunch of traitors, and in fact, they were attacked at the end of the book of Judges by the other tribes. And lo and behold, what Saul is able to do in chapter 11 of this book is to unify the nation and to save the town of Yavesh Gilad. So here at the end of this chapter, we have the people of Yavesh Gilad not forgetting what Saul has done for them, and marching all night 
to give Saul an appropriate burial and his children. There's a sense over here that they have, and I think beyond them, that the book wants us to understand that despite Saul's many failings and, and tragic ending, he was, in fact, from an objective standpoint, a great warrior and a unifier of the Jewish people. And that's reflected both in the story of Yavesh Gilad, it's reflected in the story of chapter 28, where the medium of Endor, the Balat Ov, has great respect for Saul, has compassion for Saul. He's a person that the book is saying deserves our compassion despite his mistakes. And the last point I would make about this chapter is that in this chapter, and in the next chapter as well, and in chapter 28, we have the idea of falling. Saul is no fail, the people are no flim, the children are no flim. And the next chapter, in which David is informed about the death of Saul and Jonathan, he composes a very beautiful elegy, the refrain of which is, Ech naflu giborim. How have the mighty fallen? And I'm reminded, actually, in that story where Samuel meets Saul. And Samuel invites Saul to a meal. Chapter 9. And he talks to Saul. And he tells Saul that, essentially, you're going to become the future leader of Israel. He talks to him at the meal. He talks to him and anoints him as the leaving the city. And the strangest thing is that in between that, twice, it says, he took him up to the roof. But it doesn't say anything about what he said to him on the roof. We know what he said at the sacrificial meal. And we know what he says when they leave the city. All of this is in chapter 9. But he says, he took him to the gog. He took him to the roof. Chapter 9, verse 26. Took him to the roof. Verse 25 as well. The book emphasizes the conversation on the Gog on the roof. The Gog, the roof, will figure prominently in the book of Samuel. David Bathsheba's story, he sees it from the roof. The roof is the highest place. And what it's really about is, one might say, Saul's fall. The king, of course, who is at the center of Saul's fall from the highest place, from the Gog, is named Agag. Agag may be a name, it will may be a name, but it's also a description. So it's about a fall. It's about the dangers of being on top, actually. Being in the highest place, being a king, comes with many dangers. And one of the main dangers is that when you're on top, you want to stay on top. And if you want to stay on top, often you will do many things to keep you on top, many things which are completely illegitimate. So there is a sense of the fall of Saul. He's no fail. He's no fail. That is true. That comes together with the kingship. From the other side of it, our chapter ends with a memory of the Saul who brought about unity to the people, who acted courageously to defend the people, who brought Israel together. And that is not forgotten and should not be forgotten. 
The people of Yavesh Gilad that Saul saved, they're the ones who marched all night. They took the bodies of Saul and of his children and they give them an appropriate, appropriate burial. That's how the first book ends. They buried the bodies and they fasted for seven days.